Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us about your wild conspiracy. It's on. It's now. It's here. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Good morning, everybody. It is Friday on a Wednesday. It feels like a Friday. It's a Wednesday, but we all, not all of us, most of us have the holiday off tomorrow. I'm Andy Griffin, live from the Camping World of St. George Studios. With me in studio today is Zach Renstrom and his boss, Carrie. <laughs> is that, isn't that how that works, Zach? It I mean, is. Yeah. I have a lot of bosses. <laughs> Okay, Zach's technically the boss, but uh, he often does what Kerry tells him to, right? I, I Like I said, I have a lot of bosses in my life. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in today. Again, we're talking, uh, we're going to talk water with the uh, director of the uh, Southern Utah uh, uh, Water Conservancy, Washington County Water Conservancy, WCWCD. Yep. That's how I have it in my notes, and so every time I get off track, I'm like, okay, WCW, there's a lot of initials. The problem is Washington County School District is WCSD, and it's very close, and so it can be – you probably you guys probably get mail for each other and stuff, huh? Uh, not, I, I don't think so. I haven't seen any mail come oh, okay. through, but WCSD. we do get mail for the county. Okay. Well, Zach, thanks for coming on today. It's good, good to be to here today. I, uh, I'm going to tattle on Zach. He's dressed down. He's got a pair of shorts on. <laughs> Which and, and Carrie's here in jeans. I don't think I've ever seen her not in a skirt. So well, I I woke up this morning and I looked at my calendar and this is the only appointment I have for today. And I thought I'm on the radio, so I can wear whatever I want. Nobody can see you, and as long as a dumb radio guy doesn't mention you have shorts on, nobody will know, right? Right. My wife. It was funny because I was walking out. My wife's like, "You're not in a. a where's your jacket? Like where's like a suit jacket? Where's mm-hmm. your?" And I says, "Hey, I'll probably get more work done today too." Yeah. So. Yeah. Although, although he's, he's dressed in that uh, uh, typical St. George uh, late fall attire, shorts and a sweatshirt at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> and a polo. <that's> true. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Zach, for coming in. You're on the program once a month. Uh, we get updates on uh, all things water. And uh, I, I appreciate that because uh, I, it felt like when I started this, sh- this show three years ago, Zach, that water was an issue, but it wasn't a... Uh, a pressing issue. It mm-hmm. wasn't the issue. Uh, and maybe it was my perspective and maybe it really was and I missed it. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we had Ron on and, and it didn't, it was important, but it wasn't like crucial. Mm-hmm. And it feels like now over the last, uh, I've been at this job, I think, uh, 33 months or something. It feels like it's getting more and more and more important uh, to life here in Southern Utah. Is, is that accurate or am I overstating it? No, I, I think you're dead on. Um, I know we feel it at the water district and I think there's two things going on. It's just the amount of growth that's occurred mm-hmm. is, um, and people see all those new homes going up and, and the question comes up, where are they getting water? And then we've been through a really massive drought. Um, People go to Lake Powell and they see the dropping levels there. They look at our own local reservoirs and see the dropping weather levels. And so I think those two combinations has just brought it to the forefront. There are people out there who will pin all this on man-made climate change. And I don't necessarily expect you, Zach, to get too political on this. But uh, in my opinion, uh, the the earth goes through cycles. Uh, It's a natural progression of climate. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need more water, yes, but... 
I don't believe that man is causing this extraordinary drought. I think it's part of the cycle of Earth, but um, it, it happens. Yeah, and in fact, if you go look at, they call it the paleo record, mm-hmm. and, and that's where they go and take tree rings and, and look at the tree rings and, right. and how much water. And you can tell a lot from a tree ring, by the way. I was looking at one the other day. I could tell there was a fire one year and mm-hmm. there was a lightning strike one year. It's, it's really cool. It's amazing, but it, when you look at the paleo record, we've had significant droughts in the past. And so you're exactly right. We go through cycles. Um, sometimes we're in a wetter cycle, and sometimes we're in a drier, and the temperature kind of goes up and down. And so uh, we don't necessarily, in my job, we don't get involved in, you know, the climate change or carbon and all that stuff. But what we do is we look at it and say, okay, when we look at the payload record and, and these dry periods, we just have to have an infrastructure in place that can handle that type of a drought. If you look back on that paleo record, how long is the longest period of extraordinary drought in the last few hundred years that you're aware of? Are are we to the point now where we're setting records or we're going to be setting records or is this just part of things? So right now we're in one. uh, So these paleo records generally go back really. We have really good records back about 2000 years with the paleo record. Mm -hmm. And right now we have we're in a significant drought. If you look at the paleo record, Um, generally the droughts. If you going back into the paleo record, those droughts will last for twenty to thirty years, mm. and so this drought that we're in right now could go on for another ten years. Just looking at that record, um, even even during that time, though, there there's fluctuations a little bit. And, and you know, two years ago we had a really good wet year here, and so we just kind of look at that record and we're like, okay, what? How do we plan for this? And how we plan for that is building big dams and building infrastructure to handle that. And so even in our local county here, if you, if you look back when we have recorded history, they went through some really significant droughts. Um, a lot of people remember, may remember the history where Lorenzo Snow, the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, came down here and, and talked to the, the saints at the time about the massive drought that was occurring here at that time. Um, our current drought is actually more intense than it was back then, but we have better infrastructure and technology now to, to handle those things. And so that's what we have to just be looking at all the time and planning for is how will we deal with, with droughts and how will we manage droughts? And how will we get the windows of heaven to open up again, right? <laughs> I was going to use the name. Yeah. Every, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people talk to me about that show, believe it or not. Yeah. So they're like, why don't you get President Monson, or excuse me, not Nelson, Monson, Nelson yeah. down yeah. here. And I was like, I don't have that much pull. <laughs> That uh, that was uh, a movie's got to be thirty years old, right? That, oh, it has to be older than that. Maybe forty, fifty. I don't know. Uh, but uh, if you remember the church, you probably are, are very familiar with what we're talking about. If not, there was a significant drought in pioneer times, and uh-huh. uh, I mean, it was it was bad. And like you said, they didn't have what we have. They didn't have, I mean, they did the best they could. They yep. built canals and dug, you know, uh, ditches and things like that, but they didn't have, you know, there was no Quail Creek, Quail, yep. Quail Creek Reservoir. There was no Sand Hollow. There was none of this infrastructure was in place. And so they were, they were hurting pretty bad back then. Oh yeah. They were, they were crops felling. There was, I mean, if you look at that early, if you start reading those early records too, in the droughts they would go through and, um, boy, they had a lot, that was a hard life. Yeah. I have such respect for them. And, and, even when you go and you look at the ditches that they would dig by hand to get water from point A to point B, mm. it's just, I have, I have such great respect for those individuals that did that hard work. And it wasn't really any cooler back then, maybe a half a degree cooler than maybe. 200 years ago. It was maybe. still hot. Yeah, it was 
Yeah. It was very, very high. But, you know, now, I guess. now I, we have the, the capability to go and drill a well a 1,000 feet deep and install an electric pump and pump it up. Um, our water sources here are, we have the ability to treat water that um, they didn't have the ability to treat that because water-borne illnesses was one of the biggest problems that those early right. early settlers had. And, and you know, uh, I, I have not heard of yellow fever at all breaking out in our county since I've been alive. So, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. so yeah. So, um, we talked about redundancy a little bit in the water tanks, and I, and it's it's foremost in my mind because when I go for a walk with my wife, it's almost always by the the Middleton water tank mm-hmm. and, and big old giant mm-hmm. monolith, almost a g- gigantic tank, and it has a little hum that goes on twenty four seven, but. These tanks are, are interesting because I think people, even in my neighborhood, go, oh, well, we're using, that's where we get our water from. And, and that's actually not true. That's, that's more of a, a backup plan, isn't it? So water tanks, what they do is, if you look at throughout the day, what, what happens is we have these peaks. And we call it peak day demand. Mm-hmm. And usually in this area, it starts about 6 o'clock in the morning. It goes till about 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, and so we're not able to at the water treatment plant or even our wells, we can't turn all that on that quick and then, and then shut it down that quick. And so mm. those tanks are really regulating tanks. Also what those tanks do is they just store water sitting there for if there's a fire. And so we generally have about two, 200,000 uh, gallons of water we like to keep in those tanks that are just considered fire flow. So if a fire breaks out and those fire people show up, um, but that water will circulate through those tanks at least once or twice a day. And so usually we have water coming in the top of the tank, and then we have water coming out of the bottom of the tank to keep that water refreshed. And Interesting. So, so if there's also a big, massive demand, then that, that tank will make up for it. So those tank levels will usually about 4 o'clock in the morning, we like them about 80%, and then they'll drop all the way to about 30% in the summertime. During the peak hours. During the peak hours. Hmm. And then about you know about 11 o'clock uh, in the morning, they'll, we'll start filling them back up again. Interesting. So it's funny how that works. I think a lot of people learn a lot. Of, I know I just learned a lot about yeah. it just just now. Uh, I, I'm curious. Maybe you do and don't know the answer, uh, or don't know the answer to this. If there's a fire, say there's a, a structure fire, a house fire, nothing giant, but but a house. Mm-hmm. How much fire would the would the would the firefighters use generally? How much water? Yeah. How so, much water? Sorry. <laughs> so no, no, they they can use significant. So when the LDS Church uh, downtown St. George right. when they were reconstructing ago, it, broken yeah. out and. Um, you look at those pictures, and they just have all those fire trucks just shooting out a lot of water. They can easily use up to a half million gallons of water on a big, large structure fire like that. Wow! And so our system's designed so when those tanks start going down, then the system is automatically designed to respond to that. And so we'll start pushing water to that area of town. And so what we really like with our water infrastructure is we use the word connectivity. Mm-hmm. So if there's a specific peak or, or something going on with the system, the system, the way it's designed with all the connectivity will become more dynamic and the system will start pushing water into that area. And so it'll start pulling off the tanks, but then we can, the system will open up or actually turn on different pumps that'll start pumping water to that section to make sure whatever's happening. And, and usually, like I say, it's a structure fire, or even sometimes a break that this, that the system doesn't go dry. We never want water. We, we never want the pipes in the ground to lose water in there. We always want them to have positive pressure because if, if, if that water's taken out, there's a chance that the pipes actually go negative pressure and actually suck. Oh. And when they do that, there's the opportunity for them to suck in contaminants. 
And so we always want a positive pressure in those pipes. And so we spend a lot of time and effort making sure. And so hmm. when there's a large structure fire, we design the system that even in worst case scenario at peak day demand, that they at least all the pipes in the entire system still have uh, 20 PSI or 20 pounds per square inch of pressure to make sure wow. that we don't lose that. Interesting. Yeah. D- does that, uh, well, I was just thinking about that. Uh, is that, is there something similar when we would consider say our, our irrigation pipes at home uh, where we always, there always wants to be water in there, not flowing necessarily, but always full of water. Or is that not really a factor? Cause you don't have to worry about contaminants. Yeah. And with irrigation, it's just totally different secondary or irrigation. Um, there's, there's a lot of contaminants in there. It's a totally different design. And, and part of it is... That's because, why we're not supposed to drink out of the hose. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. Well, and, and with those pipes, you know, if dirt gets in them, it's no big deal. Or, you know, if they leak, like, I shouldn't say leak because we don't like leaks. But if they go negative, it's it's just not a big deal because it's just going to be pushed out through a sprinkler later on. It's mm-hmm. really that drinking water that we spend a lot of time on making sure that it's safe. Out only, no, nothing in is what we want with that, those pipes. Exactly. Yeah. We, 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 we spend a lot of time making sure that happens. Interesting. Very, very fascinating stuff. Uh, we're talking with Zach Renstrom, the Washington County Water Conservancy District czar, I like to call him, <laughs> but I don't think he's ever been officially uh, crowned as a czar or nope, anything. No, never will. <laughs> but uh, again, thanks, Zach, for coming in. Yeah. If you want to call and be a part of the show, 673-5890. Let's go to Seth, who's been hanging Seth. on patiently. Morning, Seth. Um, since you're going to be, can you hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Um I'm on a cell phone in a car, so this is a first time for me. And so it's sort of like a virgin, you know. <laughs> well, you're coming in all right. All right. Well, um, have you guys looked up in the sky today or yesterday or this entire week and maybe tomorrow? Uh, have you noticed anything in the sky the moon's been bright. Is that what you're referring to? I don't know. Not There was clouds, very cloudy yesterday, yeah. not today. It was, right? But uh, let's, uh, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm looking at the beautiful blue sky right this moment. And, you know, there's, I, I saw on the news that they're supposed to have the biggest airline, something like 80, uh, 60 million people, something, are going to fly today. That's right. Busiest travel day of the year. All right, so I'm looking up, and I'm not seeing any funny, fuzzy uh, pearls of string, uh, wide clouds that sort of look like uh, um, cirrus clouds. I'm not seeing all these uh, different shapes and sizes throughout the whole week. Uh, Maybe whoever uh, is flying those airplanes, uh, they've decided on the busiest day of the year not to put any white stuff in the sky. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know why that is. And maybe it has to do with the air pressure, uh, perhaps uh, the wind, the prevailing winds at that level. I'm I'm guessing, Seth, you're leaning towards saying that uh, you're not seeing any chemtrails this time around, huh? You're not allowed to say chemtrail. That leads you to a CIA site <laughs> that tells you you're a conspiracy person. Well, as long as you've got so your yeah, aluminum hat on, you're okay, though, right? Yeah, well. <laughs> Uh-oh, we lost him. Oh. Yeah. Dang it. All right. It's always fun when Seth calls. Yeah, you you never know what guy. you're going to get. Uh, I, I guess, I mean, he's asking about 
you know, the, 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 the no contrails uh, uh, in the sky. Uh, again, we I don't know enough. I'm not a climatologist or a meteorologist. I don't know enough about the wind and the, you know, how much humidity is in the air and things like that to comment on that. And I don't know that it has a ton to do with water anyway. Although it's worth mentioning that there is an attempt at times to seed clouds, right, where we can mm-hmm. get more moisture. Is that... You know, I was, I was, we were talking about nature and, and climate trends and droughts. And is there a possibility that man can do something to help get us some moisture, Zach? So, yeah, we, we do cloud seeding. We have uh-huh. multiple sites um, throughout the county where we, we do that. Um, a lot of times people think of cloud seeding as like a plane flying over um, and, and releasing uh, the material. Mm-hmm. They do that around for fog and stuff like that around airports. But the, the areas that we do here, we actually have... They look like stovepipes, and we basically put a flame underneath it, and we put silver iodine in it, and the heat of the flame takes it up into the, the clouds. Yeah, and so we have them spread out all throughout the county. They're kind of strategically located where, and I don't do the math on this one, but they kind of locate them where they feel they will have the best effect, and also where that snowfall will fall. Now, when they look at all the studies, and over a long-term period, they... they they say we get about 10% more moisture out of, the, out of a storm than if we weren't cloud seeding. And okay. so, so, so they, it's, not, it's not like it's going to make it rain when it's not going to rain. No, it has to already be raining mm-hmm. or snowing. All this does is makes it snow or rain a little bit harder in a, where those paths are. Mm-hmm. And so they use Doppel radar. You kind of see that on the news sometimes where they show the storms coming in. Yeah. And so they basically look at that to show how the cloud seeding is done and how effective it is. And so it's actually pretty interesting when they, they dial in on it, you can actually see when they'll, when they turn those on. And then about a half hour later, you'll see like a strip right where it's starting to rain a little bit harder or snow a little bit harder. Hmm. And we, we locate those like a, like we have one up in Pine Valley. So we want it to kind of be more intense rain and snow in particular areas where it will funnel down. And also there'll be less chances of flooding and things like that. We have um, kind of, we really like the Kolob area. That's another area we'd like to see more moisture in because then it feeds right down into our reservoirs, and so we just kind of space hmm. them all out. You, you went to law school, right? I did. Did you ever think while you were in, in class in law school that you would be talking about silver iodine shooting out of stovepipes <laughs> into a cloud? So my bachelor's degree is in civil engineering with water resources okay. emphasis. And so so it, actually, yes. So, actually, so in my engineering class, we actually talked about clouds. Well, in my snow hydrology class, we talked about snow Oh, cloud seeding and how that affects it and everything's like that. And so before I even went to law school, I was talking about cloud seeding. So wait, I, I kind of thought that. I got to ask, you had a class called snow hydrology? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, that, that was a real class. It was a real class. Where is this at? University of Utah. Go really? Utes. <laughs> Sorry, had to throw that in. Um, Big win for them against Oregon last week. I was there. Oh, it was there? amazing. Yeah, awesome. I know this isn't a sports talk show, but it was my first game I've ever been to and it was a Great game to go to. You went to the U and you didn't go to games? I you know, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. I couldn't oh. afford it. I had to work. And so, <laughs> okay. right, so someone, uh, my anyways, I was able to go to the game and it was a great first game to go to. You can take credit for helping the Utes win. I cheered pretty loud. I surprised <laughs> myself. It was great. Um, so, but yeah, we took snow hydrology. Snow hydrology. Mm-hmm. I had no idea there was a class like that. And it was actually one of my harder classes, believe it or not, because really? there was so much. We talked about avalanches and how avalanches happen and uh, specifically how the snow falls and where it falls and how that affects and 
you know, we would, we talked about forest fires and how forest fires would change, how, you know, the, the snow would come down and how it, yeah, it was just really good class. And so we, we took a lot of classes like that. That's did, how you get a degree in water, water resources. Did you ever have that? They have that one long haired guy that shoots uh, explosives into avalanches to make them come down. I've seen him on the news on like every channel. Uh, <laughs> do you ever have him come and talk with you guys? This is how you knock an avalanche down. So uh, the first uh, two weeks of my snow hydrology class was all about avalanches and snow mm-hmm. safety and, and survival. And so it was really, it was a fun class because it was, we spent a lot of time up by Snowbird and Alta. And so we, we talked about avalanches to make sure we were safe. And so, and we talked all about how they were triggered. Um, and so, yeah, we were able to, to go up there and watch them shoot off some avalanches. Are you a skier? I, I am. Are you? Okay. Yeah. I grew up skiing. What about snowboarding? Did you transition? You know, I did. I didn't. I because skiing is so much fun to me, and then I I put that board on, and it's like going back and trying to relearn how to walk. Start over. Yeah. So I'd rather <laughs> just put the skis on and have a good time. Yeah, I I couldn't snowboard to save my life. There's you're yeah. gonna strap both my feet the same direction yeah. to a, a wooden p- a plank. I don't. I yeah. Don't so, so. I'll, I'll stick with skiing. <laughs> and see, here is great because we can be at a ski resort within an hour and a half. And by the way, Brian had was supposed to open today. I don't know if they're going oh. to or not, but they had uh, they had targeted Wednesday the twenty fourth as opening day. Uh, obviously, they're gonna have to use a lot of man made snow up yeah. there at this point, but uh, they're hoping to get some you know God made snow uh, yeah. soon as well. All right, let's take a quick phone call. Uh, you're on with Annie with Zach Renstrom. We're talking water today. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Zach. Andy. Morning. Um, good morning. Listen, I've 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 got a topic. I've I've talked to mayors, I've talked to commissioners, I've talked to city councilmen, I've talked to people at the water district, and Zach, they all refer back to you. So <laughs> it's all on right. your shoulder. Here we go. The uh, buck stops here. Yeah. And Andy, I, and you, 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 we've talked about the subject before, and that is per capita consumption. And right. everyone I've talked to talks about how well we measure it differently, and I accept that. Other than. It would really be nice for lay people like myself to be able to compare apple to apple. And this falls on your shoulder as far as I'm concerned. I know that all you got to do is subtract certain meters because they use them for agriculture, reuse, water. I don't know what it is, but it's a matter of math. Yeah. And it, it, would be, it would be very helpful because it sounds like the district is hiding behind this when we measure it differently. It's, it's like a, a, a ghost. <laughs> uh, it would be very simple in my perspective knowing math, that all you got to do is some calculations and measure apples to apples so we really know our per capita consumption in the area as it relates to other areas in measuring the same thing. So, I don't know, I, I throw that on you, and, and I hope you don't just let it roll off your back like everyone else has I've talked to, but to me, it's such a simple element that would help a lot of anxiety in, out in, in the community to really understand what our per capita consumption is that's, that's apple to apple. So okay. I actually agree with him 100%. It drives me nuts. Um, where that number comes is and, and how we calculate it is based on the, the water. The state of Utah with the Division of Natural Resources has a water resource division. And the water resource division comes up with our methodology of how we calculate water in the state of Utah. Okay. We ha- I personally have pushed extremely hard for two things. First of all, for Utah to change their method of, of accounting for water to be similar to other basin states in the area. And, and I, don't, I, I don't even care which method. I just would want it to be similar. The, the second thing is, is to do exactly what he's saying. And so there is a study going on 
um, that the water, because I've complained about the same issue so many times that the, um, the water resources is actually doing, trying to come up with a way of looking at all the different methods and then and trying to use those different methods to calculate how we would do it here in Utah. Um, so I, I agree with him. I hate it. And I want to explain to the callers, if I could real quick, sure. what he's talking about. So we get compared to Las Vegas all the time. Right. And so they'll, they'll say, well, in, in Las Vegas, they're only using 100 gallons per day per person. And up here in St. George, it's around like 290. And so everybody's like, why are you using three times more water? Well, what they do down in Vegas is if you take a shower down in Las Vegas, let's say you use 10 gallons of water down in Vegas, they will say that you used zero water. Because what they do is, is that when that water comes back through their sewer system, they subtract that water from your water use. Here in Utah, not only we, we don't do that, we, we count the 10 gallons of, of water that we use in the shower, but then when we treat it at the water treatment plant and reuse that water, we'll count that 10, 10 gallons again. And so, so each state does it a little bit differently, and it's all over the board, and it's very, very frustrating. And I, I get where this color is coming in because it is frustrating. It drives me nuts. And so, yeah, it'd be nice to have a, yeah. a, a, an accurate, especially if you're comparing the other guys and, and us, uh-huh. and you have a different way of reporting it or recording it, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. And I would love, I, I've actually, so there's the Colorado Water Users Associations, and I've actually advocated for them to come up with a uniform method of accounting for water use in the Colorado River Basin. And it's, nobody wants to do it. But it would be so helpful because it's been frustrating for me that I'll, I'll hear about an area that has really good water. You know, they're, they're doing a good job is what they say. And so we, we call them up and we start asking these questions of like, okay, what are you doing? You know, like, how are you doing this? And, and we find out it's not that they're conserving water any better or doing anything different. They're just accounting for it different. Accounting it different. And it's, it's very frustrating. So, yeah. so when, we, when, the, when our district goes in and, and tries to exact the data from other places and look at it. So when we go down to Vegas and say, okay, how are you accounting for water in Vegas compared to how we're doing it here? Our numbers, we are higher than Vegas, but not that much. Like we're within like about 10, 20%. So we're not like crazy water. It's not like three times as much. It's more like, oh, you know, about 10 or 20%. But then when you look at our, how, you know, we don't have the density, like we don't have the high rise apartment complex and a few other things like that. That's where that would account for. And so, yeah. It's frustrating, and I agree it needs to be changed. The other thing about Vegas, and we talked about it a few a few months ago, but uh, you know, you go to a a, a resort. I we, mm-hmm. st- we stayed at a resort, thirty one stories high, thousands yeah. of rooms, and uh, every everybody takes a shower in a hotel room. I mean, that's you know that's yeah. what you do. You get up in the morning, you take a shower, you take one before you go to bed if you went swimming or whatever. Yeah. And and they're not counting that water either. And and I was like. What? Wait a second. I know in this hotel room that I was yeah. in where there were thousands of us staying, everybody was using the water. How could it not count? And they subtract it because they, they get back through their sewer system. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Well, and it's very tough because then, yeah, I could go off on this subject for three hours, so I won't. But it is... It's too it, bad we can't count calories that way, right? It, those didn't count. Yeah, because, exactly. Yeah. Well, we get, we get beat up here in southern Utah, within the state of Utah, so much over this issue. And I just wish... The, the the board of water resources would change it to a more uniform method or a, a method that's more similar to what other basin states are doing here in Utah. Will, will that ever Utah. happen? We're Do pushing for that. We're we're talking to them. They understand the issues. Um, the the division director Brian Steed, um, he understands that. And he says, well, let's let's look at this 
um, let's look at the different options out there. Let's mechanically go through this and, and try to find a good way to replace it. Because they don't want to change it just because people are, it's kind of like, well, people are calling you a name of water wasters. Do we want to change it just because so that? get called a name? Yeah. Or is there a better method? Is there a better engineering method that we can go through? And that's what they're looking at right now. Okay. All right, Zach, thanks for answering yeah. the question. Let's take a weather break. When we come back, more with Zach Renstrom. We'll talk water and where it comes from and how much we need and are we going to make it. We're interactive on The Andy Griffin Show. Call in, Call in at 673-5890 or text in at 435-467-5842. Let your voice be heard on The Andy Griffin Show. Got something cool up, cool coming up. It's not going to be on my show, but it's going to be on our station. Uh, we'll be hosting the governor's uh, statewide press conference on December fourteenth. So, uh, Governor Spencer Cox, I don't think he's going to be here in the room, <clears throat> in the room, but it'll be a Zoom call. He'll be on the line with us, and we'll be taking calls from uh, folks uh, throughout the uh, throughout the state of Utah. Uh, we had a couple of trial runs. We had people pretend they were governor, and we practiced things and. Uh, everything everything seems to work out. They're, they're going to have an 800 number. As we get close, December, the week of the week before it happens, we'll have a promo out and everything. We'll talk about having having a governor on. And you'll, you know, we'll have some media there. There'll be some media questions, but it's an hour-long show and a chance for listeners like you out there to, uh, you can either email, text, or call in to the program. Probably going to be harder to call in because it's a statewide 800 number, so there's going to be a lot of people calling in. But uh, if you send me your, uh, send me your questions i'll try to work them i'm the host i'm going to be hosting it so I'll, I'll be in charge i'll be like all right spencer tell me this tell me that and i don't know if he will or not but i can try i got some questions for you okay okay <laughs> write them down I'll, i'd love to have them. uh we're talking with zach renstrom washington county water conservancy district he's the director is that really a better general manager is general the, manager the title okay how's ron doing by the way ron thompson retired and yeah good he uh most people know he's a little bit older and and uh, so he's kind of just enjoying time with his grandkids and, mm-hmm. and uh, just enjoying life. Yeah. My niece, so my sister's daughter, married his grandson. And oh, so really? I see him occasionally at family things. Oh, that's uh, fun. For instance, we had uh, the, the wedding breakfast for them at the Water Conservancy District down there in your little reception area down there. Oh, stuff. I did. Oh, that was before so, my time. That's yeah, nice. It was, it, was, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. So, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of cool because I see Ron around a little bit. He's a tall guy like me. Yeah. Oh, he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. So everybody makes fun of me because they're like, "Those are big shoes to fill," and <laughs> and you'll I'm, never fill them. I'm like, I'll never fill them. <laughs> Most people don't realize that as I never met, but Ron's what like six four. Yeah, yeah. Probably six, so we're six five right in there. Three fifty. Yeah. Maybe yeah. 300 pounds. Yeah. He's a I'm, big guy. I'm a little bigger than him weight-wise, but we're pretty similar in size, yeah. And so I'm 5'6", and I, I'm if I'm really wet, I might weigh 135 pounds. <laughs> you and Tony Chambers, huh? So Have you met Tony? I haven't. You and Tony are almost exactly the same size. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I, th- and this you have is, more hair than him, though. Oh, that's good. But this is one of the reasons why you don't want me to be your pallbearer. That's right. So. You, you and Tony and, and uh, uh, Jeremy Larkin, you, you guys will drop my, drop my cast. Well, you wouldn't do that. I'd go rolling out and everybody'd be like, hey, he's not dead or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome back to the program. If you want to call, please uh, give us a call, 673-5890. I will grab my phone and uh, keep an eye on text. Looks like uh, no, we don't have a text in right now. I have a text, but it's not about the show. Okay. So uh, we were talking about <laughs> reporting, how, how water per person is reported. And uh, it's funny because... 
you wouldn't think politics would really have that much to do with water and water usage, but it sounds like it really does. People want to look good. People want to, you know, get grants and, and different monies. And, and, and so to get, you know, say I want Colorado's number, or I want New Mexico's number, or I want Arizona's number to get that number is really not very simple. And it's not, and you're exactly right. There's, it, there's political, there's actually really strong political reasons why they don't want to do that or they've changed their method. Mm-hmm. So Las Vegas, you know, for years actually did it similar to how Utah did it and they changed. And so when I go down and say, well, why did you change your method? Like, how did you go from like 240 to 120, like overnight? Yeah. And they just said, well, we, we decided that it was better. You know, they come up with some lame answer and I'm, I know exactly why they did it. Because then they are, t- they can go out and say, "Hey, we're only using this much water, and we're so good." And by the way, give us more grants, money, yeah, and money. Yeah, and it is. There's a lot have to do with money because they can they go out and get grants or other things like that. So, hmm. but it, it's a shame it, it comes down to that because it's you, it seems like it should be a simple number. We we track water. Right, we know how much water goes into your house. We know how much water, you know, comes out of your sewage pipes. It's there. The problem is, uh, well, we're we're going to count this water only half, and this water we're going to yeah. zero it out because, uh, you know, we're going to re- we're going to purify the wastewater, and all this, and all of a sudden, uh, everybody's got a different idea on how to ma- how to count water. And and that's one of the reasons when I reach out to the other, you know, Colorado uh, Basin states and say, hey, let's come up with a uniform method. They don't want to. Because they've tweaked their system where they feel they can report certain numbers. And it's so confusing that, like, even the EPA has come out and said using gallons per day per person is a horrible method of determining water conservation levels or even designing off of. And so as an engineer, I never design things off of GPCD um, because it's just not a good method. We always go to acre feet, and it just works a lot better. So it's kind of a number, too, that's thrown out there that engineers don't use. So if I were to ask you how much water did I use last year, you would say, well, I know how much your acre acreage was. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd report in acre feet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, okay. Yeah. Or equivalent residential connections is a, is a better method. ERCs? Yeah, exactly. Good job. That was good. I know. I know the government likes acronyms. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Your ERCs. I, uh, we have that uh, show that's on on Wednesdays. Is uh, they talk about your ADLs, your activities of daily life. Oh. And your. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, how how much what you do during the day on an, oh. on an average day? How much you move? What what activities you engage in? So okay. Your ADLs. Huh. I learned something new. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. Hey, thanks for calling into the program. You're on with Andy and with Zach Renstrom. What's up? Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Zach. Don morning. from Santa Clara. Hi, Don. Uh, just curious, Zach, when are you going to make it rain? Because my lips are getting chapped and I, <laughs> I kind of want some rain. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of cautious about praying for rain because back in 04, all the neighbors down in Santa Clara were praying for rain in 05 in January. We got the valley down there wiped out. So I'm just kind of trying to find a happy medium ground of how we actually get some more water in our valley. Boy, if you if I could answer that or if anybody can answer that, they would be very, very, very wealthy. That's all I can say is if we could so, figure so out. So you're trying to tell me that you only control math, you don't control the weather? <laughs> I don't control a lot in my life. <laughs> math and the weather are two of them. I, I, I no, enjoy but, both of them, but, but yeah, the, the rain thing, and uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I go, I go to these conferences all the time, and every once in a while, like, like I mentioned, we do cloud seeding, but 
there's some other ideas out there that people are kicking around to try to figure out how to make it rain more or snow more. And it's interesting, but I don't see anything really coming up in the near, in my lifetime. Sure. But if you could do it, if you can make it rain, I can make you a very rich man. I kind of figured that, but no, seriously, I want to wish you guys happy Thanksgiving and, and just people out on the road, be, be kind to each other. It's, uh, it's going to be kind of arduous out there. Just give each other some space. But thank you, guys. Hey, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Don. Good to talk to you. It, uh, let's see, go to line two. Uh, thanks for calling into the program. Hopefully you're not distorted. How are you today? Good morning, Zach and Andy. Morning. Thanks for calling morning. in. Um, hey, sure appreciate what you do with these reservoirs and stuff. It is great to have water stored up so we can drink when it's really hot here. Yes. Um and I know this is kind of a byproduct to what you do, Zach, but I love to recreate on the reservoirs. Mm-hmm. And this summer, it was tough to get on there. They closed a lot of Sand Hollow and Mac. Uh, they fill up quickly because of the popularity. Um, had a lot of Californians up because mm-hmm. their yeah. state was locked down. So I don't know if it was just a fluke or if it's kind of something we're going to see again this year or next year. Um but I was wondering if you could give us an update on reservoirs coming in. I think they're working on Warner Valley. Any, is there any more coming in the area, or yeah. we are where we are? No, no, we're actively looking on at several. So I'll just go from the top down. So last, how about last summer, we, got, we finally got the permits for the, the Tokerville Reservoir, and that's right off the Anderson Junction uh, interstate right there as you're driving up i-15 going north if you look over to the right you'll be able to see that um so we've actually started issuing contracts on that to do the preliminary prep work for that reservoir site so starting next year um, well next fall you'll you'll start seeing that really a large amount of earth being moved to construct that reservoir um, as we come down to warner valley the district purchased that land um, there's two landholders sitla and the blm we purchased the land from the Sitla, or their half of the portion of the reservoir, and the other half, um, we're looking at doing a, a land swap. The, the BLM has some critical land uh, that has some species on it they, that are in private land holdings right now, and so we're looking at doing kind of a land swap there so the BLM gets that critical habitat and we get our reservoir site. And then when you come over to the Santa Clara side, there's two reservoirs over there um, that they're both be a little bit smaller. One is called Dry Wash, and that's located in Ivan's. Um, uh, kind of near Kianta, and the other one is called Graveyard Wash that's located right by the Santa Clara City offices, well, um, public work offices. And I hope we're not going to call it Graveyard Reservoir, though. I don't know what they're going to call it. That doesn't sound very appetizing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so those two reservoirs, the NEPA or the environmental documents on those two reservoirs on, on the Santa Clara River, they were completed about 18 years ago. And those reservoirs have to be under substantial construction before that those documents expire. And so uh, we're moving on those. And so I, I really expect starting uh, next, well, in the next three years, you'll see those three small reservoirs take off uh, here pretty quickly. Now, w- with those smaller reservoirs, that will be more like paddle boards, kayaking. There won't be any motorboats. But on Warner Valley, that'll be a big enough reservoir at at this time, we're thinking it would be big enough that you would be allowed to have motorboats on it. As big as Sand Hollow? Uh, it'll be deeper. Deeper? Um, but the surface area would be smaller because okay. it would be deeper. But there, you still could easily go out there and boat on it. Um, in regard, I, I get a lot of questions about all these Nevadans 
coming up and going to Sand Hollow. So we contract with the Utah State Parks to, mm-hmm. to manage recreation on our reservoir, so it's kind of up to them. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how <laughs> on a Saturday out, like morning, like around 11, I'm shocked how many people are going to Sand Hollow. Even still this time of year? No, it's it's dying off now. Dying but off. in the summertime, when yeah, they off. finally had to shut it down a couple of times, and then they just then they all start lining up, and the, the colors right. It's it's really people from out of state that's coming in. Mm, so tough deal. I guess they were locked down so long they were itching to get out somewhere. Huh? I think that, and then with Lake Mead being at such a low level, a lot of areas that they would go boating on down there, um, they they just don't have as many opportunities. And and Sand Hollow is perfect. I mean, you have that beautiful uh, sandy beach. Um, the waves dissipate really well on Sand Hollow, so it's great for water skiing or boating activities. Yeah, you spend eight, like 80 grand on a boat, you're going to want to use it, I guess, huh? Yeah. yeah. All, right, all right, thanks, Zach. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to finish up the show in just a second and uh, get Zach's uh, thankfulness on Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. Uh, right now, I want to thank Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney has been a sponsor of this show Really big supporter of uh, all our local programs here in southern Utah. You know, we could run satellite radio all day, every day. If that's, you know, it, it would be a lot cheaper and we'd still sell ads. But instead, uh, a lot of local content, including this show. Joe Shoney is a big backer of this show. Uh, his phone number is 435-590-6300. He's a loan officer specializing in customer specializing in customer service. Give him a call today, 435-590-6300. It's NMLS121041. Back in 60 seconds. Welcome back, 954 on KDXU. Zach Renstrom in the house. He's the Water Conservancy District uh, Director. Did I say it right this time? Director? General Manager. Oh, dang it. I, I cannot get it. It's a weird title. I should just call you Czar. That works for me, and it's kind of, I mean, you're the boss. That's the Czar, right? Call me whatever you'd like. Okay. I'll call you Zach. Sounds good. <laughs> Zach is here uh, talking about water again. We got reservoirs coming. Uh, actually, when you mentioned the one in Ivan's, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Chris Hart, the mayor mm-hmm. of Ivan's, talking about another reservoir coming. Now, they already have a little one, right? Yeah, they have Ivan's Reservoir. That's, I mean, it's been there for almost 100 years. Oh, really? I didn't know it was it's, that old. It's quite an old reservoir. We, we've done a lot to, you know, update it and all that. Um, but, yeah, we'll have another one out there. It's about the same size. And what was the site again? You said that... It's called Dry, dry Wash some people, it has a couple different names, but it's just basically right. When you turn into the Anasazi Trailhead, mm-hmm. um, it'll be on the opposite side of the road is where the reservoir would be. A little ways out there then. Yeah. A little ways out there. Okay. And then uh, the Graveyard Wash, which, like I said, I hope we're not going to call it Graveyard Reservoir. I don't, yeah. Or yeah. Graveyard Lake. That just doesn't, eh. I'm going to go paddleboarding <laughs> in Graveyard Lake. That, that, doesn't that sound kind of, eh, Yeah, it does. Uh, and then uh, Anderson Junction is that what's the, do you Toker, know the, Toker Reservoir? It's going to be Tokerville Reservoir. Yeah. I know there. We had the Tokerville mayor on last month, and he's talking about there's going to be thousands of rooftops. What is what oh, he yeah. called them? Which means that a lot of folks are counting on that reservoir being there yeah. because they want to build a house that's close to the reservoir. Yeah, so, there's going to be about five thousand units. Is I think what they're planning on right now. He said they're going to go from seventeen hundred population to seventeen thousand population yeah. in five years or something like that. It's so, a lot craziness uh and that will that that will mostly draw from that weird little lake thing that happens by new harmony by like the Kolob fingers mm-hmm. exit on the left there which sometimes it's a lake sometimes it's a bunch of trees sometimes it's mud 
but this will be, give you a little more consistency in gathering that water? Exactly. And um, some of those washes that come off the hill there, too, we're going to tie into those. So we have diversion springs up along in several of those, and we'll start capturing that water. And so, uh, and then just, well, yeah, we'll come from multiple different sources, wherever we can get the water, and, and we'll pump it in there. And Warner Valley is going to be pretty big, pretty pretty large. That's That's the plan right now. So we have designs... Preliminary designs for a hundred thousand acre foot, uh, for sixty, fifty, or thirty, and so we'll just kind of look at what we need at that point and design it from there. What What will the determination be? Just need, need, and if we have enough water to put in there. Uh, oh, that having enough water. <laughs> That's kind of sort of important yeah. here in the desert, isn't it? Yeah. Zach, we only have about two and a half minutes left. Uh, Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, big yeah. gathering. Are you cooking a bird? Your wife's cooking a bird. What are you doing? No, I I do the cooking at our house and we have and her two brothers are in town and so we'll have lots of cousins and it'll just be a great time how how big is the crowd going to be for dinner uh i bet you'll have around 20 over 20 probably between 20 and 25 nice so yeah it'll be fun is there a a particular dish that you really really love and can and look forward to and then uh, is there a dish on thanksgiving that you really wouldn't care if you didn't see so this so i love pear pie that Pear pie? Yeah. And so that is my absolute favorite thing. Pear pie? Carrie? Pear pie? No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No. It's it's amazing. And the thing I hate the most, I hate yams. I do not like yams. Really? Not a yam guy? I'm not a yam guy. You'll eat pear pie, but you don't like yams. Yeah. I I would say if you put them in a lineup and I had to eat one or the other, I would eat the yams first because pear pie is a little scary to me. I'll bring you in some pear pie. Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm a little nervous. It's good. I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Okay. Pear pie is his favorite. Carrie, I know we don't have your microphone on. Are you looking forward to something in particular? Time with family. Oh, time yeah. with family. That's so sad. I'm talking about food, though. <laughs> All of it. All of it. Awesome. I'm with you on that one. Uh, I am, Zach, I am a, I'm a pumpkin aficionado. My oh. wife, so we get like four or five big pumpkins at Halloween, and we paint them. We don't uh-huh. carve them yet. We just paint them. And then somewhere in October before, maybe the end of, or in November, I mean, before Thanksgiving, we, we for lack of a better word, we slaughter the pumpkins. We uh-huh. cut them up and we boil them. And well, I say we, my wife does most of the work, but, uh, and then we have pumpkin all year long. We freeze like, I don't know, really? yeah, dozens of bags of pumpkin puree. And, uh, cause my wife knows I love pumpkin so much, so it can be April or July, and I can have pumpkin pie or wow. pumpkin cake or whatever. That's, That's how much impressive. I love, I love pumpkin. I, I make pumpkin That shows smoothies. that your wife really loves you, too, that she's she doing does. all that work. She does. She's awesome. So, uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving happy to you. Happy Thanksgiving uh, to you, hope too. you have a good time. I'm going to smoke a bird tonight, overnight, and, and tomorrow. I hope it turns out good. If it turns out good, I'll bring it here to work, and everybody can share in, <laughs> in the bounty. If it doesn't turn out so great, there will not be any at work. I so understand. That's, what, that's the way that thing uh, turns out. Uh, again, Zach, thank you so much for coming in. It's great being here. Thanks great, a lot. Great to talk to you. I'm going to be off next week, folks. I've, uh, I've got the use it or lose it situation with the vacation days, and so I prefer to use, not lose. So I'm going to take uh, the week, obviously, like November 28th through December 3rd, I think. But I'll be, I'll be back on December the 6th and then look forward to talking to you then. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You guys have a great Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.